What's happening, everybody? On today's show, our SEC recruiting update with Brian Smith. We'll talk about some of the guys who committed to schools this week, and we'll hit at some of the undecideds and where they might be leaning. Locked on SEC starts right now. You are Locked on SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And what is happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. It's great to have you guys along. I'm Chris Gordy. Thanks for making Locked On SEC your first listen every day. Remember, we're free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, he is our recruiting insider, Brian Smith, and we welcome him in now. Brian, it's been a couple weeks. How are you, man? Doing well, sir. How about yourself? Doing good. I know this uh, this time of year, it's it, recruiting has kind of the busy times, some slow times, and then some times where it's just it's constant and stuff going on. I know we've had the Elite Eleven stuff going on. Or are you traveling a lot, or is this kind of a, a slower time for you right now? Uh, I've traveled enough this spring. May is the worst. Um, I know last year I did forty nine hundred miles just on my car in the month of May. Wow. So. <laughs> I'm not doing that again. I killed myself, but it's, it's to the point now where everybody's taking visits. So I'm just constantly like everybody else, sending messages, calling people. It is a very busy time though. Anytime now a kid can commit. You just, you just don't know brother. Before we dive into it, I do want to get your thoughts. The uh, SEC coaches had their meetings down in Destin last week. And one of the big talking points they discussed is nobody likes where the early signing period is. I mean, you've got, you know, we saw last year, Florida was in the middle of bowl prep week while trying to close their, you know, early signing class, which we call it the early signing period. We know it's about 80, 85% of your classes, your work is signed and, and done by that date. Thoughts on what the coaches had to say? I mean, should we move this date and, and where do we move it? Well, there's the problem. Is it at a good place? No. But you need to see the seniors play first. There's nowhere to move it. There's nowhere to move it. That's the problem. So unless they want to go back to the old model, which I can tell you the coaches hate even more because they don't want to be on the road in January. That's the that's the measurement stick that nobody wants to talk about. A lot of divorces happen over the month of January in the coaching industry <laughs> because they're gone their entire month. Right. They basically eliminated that because of what we're talking about. Somewhere between the 15th and 21st of December, National Signing Day. So they kind of get their month back. But their only problem with that is what you already said, bowl practices. There's nowhere to move it. There's just nowhere to move it. You could you could move it into the season, but then high school coaches will be PO'd. They don't want all that recruiting pressure right when the playoffs are going on. Yeah, So there, there's just no spot to do it. You have to see the seniors play. You know, not everybody's a four- and five-star kid. You know, the Jeremiah Smiths of the world, it doesn't matter because, you know, they, they had offers as freshmen and sophomores. But most of these kids, man, they're still getting evaluated by the Georgias and Alabamas, and they might get offered if they play well during their senior year. So you have to have it after the senior season. I don't know how you change it. And you think going back to the old just everybody signs in February, is that too late? Ooh. It's not that it's too late. It's just that it, it's horrific for an already difficult lifestyle. Again, it's the off-the-field stuff that nobody wants to hear about. But if you looked at – an across-the-board look at coaches' lives. They don't have much family time anyway, and the divorce rate for coaches and administrators is horrific to begin with. You go back to that, it just gets worse. There, There's no way to do it. Again, January used to be guys were on the road like three-plus weeks. Go ahead and call your wife and tell her you're, you're going to be gone for three weeks and see how that goes. <laughs> now do it every year. Right. It just doesn't work. 
Well, there's, and, there's no way to do it. And the early enrollees have become such a big thing, too. I mean, a lot of Absolutely. people, they like getting these kids on campus for January and some even take part in bowl preparation and all that to get an early look. So uh, I, I don't know. But w- one last thought on this, Hugh Freeze brought up, you know, also the idea of if, if a kid decides and say like October, Auburn's my school, this is where I want to go. Why not let sure. them sign? If, they, if they're absolutely 100% locked in, they know that they want to go, why not let them just sign then without having to wait till the such and such, you know, technical signing period? That's an interesting concept. I hadn't heard that one before. Um, the only thing I can say with that is as long as there's still the rule that's been recently put in when coaches leave, that letter of intent goes away, that, that'll make fans mad because kids commit to coaches, not, not the letter on the shirt. Uh, that's another hot topic, but it's true. Then it'd be okay, but you just have a whole bunch of guys that when they leave that school, the recruits are going to start up. They're, they're, the timing, again, is bad because when is coaching change season? It's right around National Signing Day. So it's everything just collides yeah. at the same time. It's it's awkward. It's yeah, it's, really awkward. It's funny. The argument I always hear is like, uh, these kids, there's no loyalty, and yet the coaches, you know, they'll flip yeah, jobs like leave. crazy. Yeah. And so, you know, it's a problem all across the board. Well, let's let's jump into it, Brian, because we had a couple of kids in the SEC make their commitments this week. We'll start with Georgia. They add a four-star uh, D-lineman slash linebacker in Justin Green. He's the uh, number 101 overall player. Uh, Bulldogs already have the number one class in the nation. They're already back-to-back champs looking to go for a three-peat. This just looks like a case of the rich get richer. I knew about this kid a couple years ago as one of the coaches at that school said, I got one coming up. This is a kid you're going to know about. Well, he was obviously right. (laughs) And the kid's film does not lie. He's grown into a pure D lineman, and he's he's the kind of kid that if if he wants to go to Georgia and he's able to commit early – that right there, if you have any common sense about recruiting, tells you he's a dude. Georgia can be rather picky about who they take. So good for the dogs, bad for college football, because they're, they're front seven recruiting the last couple of classes is hysterical because they've, they've signed more top talent in two classes than a lot of schools do in five or six, and I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> so the rich are getting richer here, and this is a kid that's going to be like third team at Georgia that would have started at Vandy. So it, it's crazy. And look, I mean, it's the Alabama model. I mean, for years, Nick Saban, he yeah. just stacked talent on talent. Some guys, if you just sit and wait, you, you hit your senior year, you become a starter, you become a stud off to the NFL. Maybe that's what Kirby's trying to do here. But it is getting tougher. The transfer portal is making it more difficult. We saw Bear Alexander already jump ship, and he's out to the West Coast. So, uh, But but you're right. I mean, it, it's crazy what Georgia's doing, just stacking talent on talent. People keep saying, oh, all the talent they lost to the NFL. Well, doesn't seem to matter because it's next man up behind behind them at Georgia. Um, want to switch over to Mississippi State. They've had a very busy week. They picked up a commitment from an in-state athlete, Xavier Guyton. Uh, they, they added a four-star D lineman at Terrence Hibbler. I think he's the number 33 D lineman in the country. And then they flipped an in-state linebacker in Fred Clark, who was committed to Ole Miss, but now he's flipped to Mississippi State. It looks like Zach Arnett, man. I, I, you know, in his time at Mississippi State, I never really heard anything like, oh, what a hell of a recruiter he is. But Zach Arnett seems to be doing a pretty good job in recruiting so far. What is the one thing you never hear about from Mississippi State fans? Oh, our offense needs to be better. That's not that's right. not the problem. When Mississippi State had those top D linemen a few years ago, towards the end of Mullen's tenure, before he, what happened? They were really good. If Mississippi State gets these kind of defensive recruits, especially nice for them when they flip one from Ole Miss, don't kid yourself, they, they enjoyed that. It changes their program. That offense, especially with the quarterback they have, they're going to score 
They need more defensive kids. This is huge for them. If they go on this trend and they uptick on the defensive side of the ball, then they will once again be a thorn in the side of every team in the SEC and not just in the Egg Bowl. Yeah, and speaking of the Egg Bowl, do you want to touch a little bit on the uh, Ole Miss Rebels? As uh, obviously they they've been adding some pieces. They picked up a, they dipped in the state of Louisiana this week. They pick up a three star offensive lineman in Joseph Cryer. But it seems like in in recent weeks, Ole Miss they've been focused on that defense. Pete Golding has been loading up on the recruiting trail because we know the offense is always going to be good under Kiffin, and you know he'll go get guys through the transfer portal. But that defense is really where the focus of Ole Miss needs to be. This is a historical in-state class for the state of Mississippi. Both MSU and Ole Miss are trying to get the same kids, Javante Waller in particular, Camarion Franklin. If they can keep some of those kids home, because everybody's recruiting them, like Penn State's recruiting Waller. I mean, Penn State doesn't recruit the state of Mississippi unless it's a special player, but that's how you win. How they're going to be judged in this class is those defensive players in-state. Kiffin has to find a way to get over that home. Mississippi State, too. But that's, that's really key. Cryer, by the way, the kid from Louisiana, is a very good prospect. Good job by uh, Ole Miss picking him up. I loved his film. We'll uh, get back into this in just a second, Brian. But first, we want to remind our listeners that this episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Look, Bird Dogs going to make you look good. They got the stretch khaki shorts that are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you that truly sculpted look. They do the exact same thing as Lululemon and some of those other designers, but these fit way better. They fit way better than the regular shorts that are made of stiff, restricting cotton. I love that you can wear them anywhere. You can wear them out on a recruiting trip if you're Brian Smith. You can wear them uh, out out to practice if you want to go watch your team, baseball games, whatever it is, bird dogs have you fit for all the right uh, any occasion. And, uh, again, go show yourself uh, and and your friends that uh, you are – uh, wearing the right shorts this summer. Go to birddogs.com slash college. Enter our promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash college for a free Yeti-style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird, bird dogs off. We promise you. All right, Brian. Let's dive back into it. And by the way, thanks to everybody for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. Shout out to our everydayers for checking us out. Diving back into it, uh, Tennessee football. They lose a commitment from a four-star wide receiver in J.J. Harrell this week. He'd been committed to Tennessee since February, but a lot of people think the Vols are heavy in the mix for five-star wide receiver Mike Matthews, as well as Chattanooga native Amari Jefferson. Kind of weird. This is the first time I remember Josh Heupel losing an offensive commitment, but sounds like they have a plan here. Well, they're going after top dogs, and sometimes you're going to miss – Sometimes kids are going to flip. Even Alabama and Georgia has kids that decommit. It happens. To, if it happens to them, it happens to everybody. So remind Vol fans of that. And number two, I like Tennessee's chances with wide receiver recruits for some obvious reasons. If they don't end up with the kids in state, this is something you and I talked about off air. They have to protect their home state better than some of the prior staffs did. Getting kids out of Chattanooga, Nashville, it used to be an automatic for them in the 80s and 90s, even in the early 2000s. That's kind of changed. I'm curious to see what Hypo can do, especially with receiver. It's not a good trend if he can't keep those kind of kids home when they're throwing the ball all over the place. It should not be a very difficult sell. J.J. Harrell, by the way, been trending towards Ole Miss. Uh, he's also a Mississippi State target, so you got to think the number one wide receiver out of the state of Mississippi probably going to stay in Mississippi. Uh, Alabama, they picked up a, a three-star recruit from 
the uh, uh, Joseph Iannata out of the state of Florida. His dad, of course, was an All-American offensive lineman at Florida State. I saw some Bama fans saying, oh, he's just a three-star. He's the number 977 overall prospect in the country. Yeah, but bloodline matters, and this is a kid who's probably going to keep growing into uh, a pretty good frame here. I know that kid personally. Uh, he worked out at the same gym I do, and he's, he's got a trainer that's a buddy of mine. Miami wanted him. Alabama wanted him. He can play guard. He can play tackle. He's a very good prospect. He is completely underrated. I could care no less about the quote-unquote recruiting rankings with this young man. And, and let's be honest, who do you trust more with evaluation? Alabama's offensive staff or some recruiting service? <laughs> I think I know which one I'm leaning towards. So he, he's a good player. He'll end up starting for Bama at some point. He's a great kid, too. So Alabama fans will enjoy him. I want to get your thoughts on what uh, Billy Napier and the Florida Gators have been doing. Obviously, they've, they've been in on some some top talent. And, uh, you know, D.J. Lagway, the big quarterback, is, is leading their class. And I know he's been even tweeting at recruits and going after them on social media saying, hey, come to Florida on all this. But, you know, I'm reading this week, Brian, some people saying it's only year two of Billy Napier in Gainesville, but could he already be on the hot seat? And, and you know, he's got to have a big, uh, big-time recruiting class to, to build momentum for the future. But what do you make of what Napier and staff are doing there? They have some really good recruits that have already come in for visits on the June 2nd weekend. The 9th and 16th have a bunch, too. They're recruiting Texas hard. They're doing well there, which is a great sign if you're UF. And they're starting to get some of the Georgia and Alabama kids to, like, come in. They're trending in the right direction. And your point is correct about D.J., He's helping a lot. He's the reason Jeremiah Smith, who I think is definitely the best player in the country, visited. They got Chance Robinson coming for a visit. He's committed to Miami. They, they get, they've gotten to the point now where it's just who do they sign. They're, they know who to recruit, and they're getting them from all over. They do need to get some kids committed. I get that, but the list is tremendous. Like L.J. McRae's coming. He's one of the top defensive linemen in the country. They're in a battle probably with Florida State for him. He's an in-state kid out of Daytona Beach, Maine one. This list is tremendous. And by the way, the on-the-hot-seat stuff is hilarious. <laughs> they, they still owe Mullen money. They're not going to owe him money and hire another. It, it's just not going to happen financially. He will be at Florida barring an 0-12 season in 2024. That's just utterly ridiculous. Yeah, I always like It's like, you know, he better win. Well, what if not? You're really going to fire him in year two? You know, it's just it, – it, yeah. it's – it's tough, man, and and he even said it this, at SEC meetings last week. He said, "Look, this is when you take over a program; it's at least a two year process to re to to rebuild and build back up your recruiting Absolutely. class and everything else." So, uh, I like Billy Napier. Let's see uh, what he's able to do there at Florida. All right, uh, Brian, I wanted to hit on a couple of uh, guys who are. It, it's kind of like list week for some guys. They're starting to put out. Here's my top four. Here's my top seven. I always like the, here's my top 20. That's always really funny. But uh, some kids starting to whittle it down. Uh, four-star wide receiver Amari Jefferson announced his top six this week. He's included Georgia, Alabama, South Carolina, Oklahoma, but in-state school Tennessee on there as well. Uh, he's listed as an athlete, but, man, sounds like every almost every SEC school is on his list. There's a reason for it. He can be a playmaker on either side of the ball. He has some size. He has a lot of speed. And he was a kid that was identified early. And I, I I think it's interesting that Oklahoma and schools like that are recruiting him. You know, like Oklahoma doesn't recruit Tennessee. What does that tell you? So, yeah, he's a big-time player. And, again, this is something that Hypo cannot allow happen. If he's going to beat Alabama consistently, although last year was great, they have to get these kinds of kids. And they have to do it every single year. So that 
that to me is the more important point. Not this, who does he go to? It's why, like, is he going to go play for Tennessee? If he does, are they going to be able to play him on both sides? I mean, he's going to have to play on both sides of the ball if you really wanted. That's the kind of guy you have to get to get over the top. So great kid, uh, great prospect, and a long way to go in his recruitment. There's a uh, four-star athlete named Daniel Hill out of Meridian, Mississippi, who I know South Carolina has been coming hard after. He's uh, put out his list of schools. He's got Tennessee, Alabama, LSU, Auburn, and Mississippi State on the list as well. But you think this is a guy that Alabama could be making a move for? That's what the rumor is. Uh, he's, he's a big, talented kid. He could play linebacker if you wanted him to, probably play some strong safety, but he's a running back. And Alabama, obviously, in recent history, there's a certain guy in Nashville, Tennessee, that uh, used to play for the Tide that's pretty good. Their running back situation is great, but if they're going to take just like one big back, this is their guy. So it's not easy to beat Nick Saban anytime they zero in on somebody, especially a player that's from that close to the campus. Curious to see if South Carolina or somebody else can pull off the upset, but I, I don't like betting against Saban when he wants a kid. Yeah, Hill, by the way, the number 16 overall athlete, the number seven player from the state of Mississippi. Uh, there's a big offensive lineman. And look, names aren't everything, Brian, but when I got a kid named John Wayne, I want this kid on my team. Offensive tackle, <laughs> John Wayne Oliver. He's got uh, offers from all over the place, plays at Christ Presbyterian Academy. He announced his top three. It's TCU, Ole Miss, and Auburn. But when I look at him, six foot five, 285 pounds, this just looks like uh, a guy that Hugh Freeze has his sights set on for Auburn. They need offensive line help so desperately because it was it was messed up before the last coach got there, and he didn't help it much. He didn't recruit very well. This is going to be a couple-year process. They brought in a ton of offensive linemen from the portal. They might do it again in this next offseason as they kind of change their roster. But if they want to get to the point where they don't have to rely on the portal, this, these are the battles they got to win. But, again, he's in Tennessee. That's not an easy task. So the Vols and I'm sure a lot of other schools would have loved to have gotten him committed already, but watch out for Auburn here. It's not a hard sell with offensive line recruiting for them right now. I want to thank you guys for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. A reminder to our everydayers to check us out next week. We'll be diving more into the 2023 teams and uh, starting to get into some of our rankings, ranking the quarterbacks, and uh, really diving into what, we can expect from these teams in 2023 but we continue our recruiting segment talking with brian smith our uh, recruiting insider here at locked on and brian i uh, want to look a little bit ahead we've been talking a lot about 2024 just some names for 2025 that made some headlines this week Ole miss picked up a quarterback commit for 2025 quentin murphy out of little rock arkansas don't know a lot about him but it's kind of interesting i always see these these kids from little rock that other schools come in and, and take right under from underneath Arkansas's nose. Uh, it's just it's kind of one of these things where Arkansas doesn't, you know, it's not every kid in the state is always on their radar. Or what happens when something like this happens? I think quarterback is a little bit different, too. I mean, Kiffin's offense and his history of quarterbacks, that's probably why. Arkansas just doesn't have the recent tradition with quarterbacks, and it's not really a quarterback school. But then again, if you're going to change, you got to keep some of those kids home. I'm curious to see if Arkansas will now like make a concerted effort to try to flip him. He's obviously good if Kiffin wanted him that early. I haven't I haven't really watched his film, but when Kiffin likes a quarterback, I generally like a quarterback too. Yeah, it is interesting though because Arkansas has lost a lot of kids in state to other schools in recent years. You're not going to get to the top of the SEC by doing that. 
another kid that uh, is a 2025 recruiting class member, Anthony Rogers, four-star linebacker from the IMG Academy. He committed to Alabama this week, had a ton of Power 5 offers. But uh, as you were talking about earlier, running back, just – Alabama, we talk about Georgia, the rich getting richer. Alabama just always seems to stack that running back room. Well, yeah, he could play other spots. He's going to play some slot at IMG. They're they're so loaded at running back, he was going to be like the third guy. It's ridiculous. But he's he's a tremendous athlete. He can be an every down back. He can play on third and six. He can be your first and ten guy. He's, he's quick. He's powerful. And he's from the state of Alabama originally, so that wasn't real rough to figure out where he wanted to go once – they really zeroed in on him as well. It's interesting, though, because this is a kid that doesn't get enough pub. He's really good. I'm telling you, he's really good. I've seen him live. Alabama, they, they don't miss very often when they go after kids. One more for the uh, class of 2025. K.J. Lacey, a quarterback from the state of Alabama, committed to Steve Sarkeesian and the Texas Longhorns. And this is that weird thing, Brian, where we're starting to incorporate some recruiting nuggets for Texas and Oklahoma. Why? Because those kids will be playing in the SEC once they get to uh, to college. They'll be full-fledged members of the SEC. But uh, kind of interesting because Sark, is, he's done a good job of recruiting quarterbacks. Obviously, the big splash in adding Arch Manning. He seems to be set up following uh, – following uh, Quinn Ewers, but um, just interesting that a kid knowing Arch Manning is on the roster is, is coming in right behind him going, I have no problem committing to Texas this far down the road. It shocked the heck out of me. I know Lacey pretty well. He's a great kid, and all I'd heard was Alabama, but I didn't know if he was a take early, and apparently not because just out of the blue, he, he throws up the hook'em sign, and I'm like, oh, my. <laughs> so, And he's a kid from the Mobile area. Like, Texas never recruits there. So Sark, being a former OC at the University of Alabama, probably played a role in that. I'm sure he's familiar with Sarah Land High School where KJ's at. So great pickup for them. He's a dual threat with a big arm. So recruiting's changing, man. I mean, when I was a kid, I don't think Texas ever signed a kid out of Alabama. I, I don't know if you remember one, but I sure don't. So it's pretty unique. Where are we as, as we wrap up here on the recruiting timeline? Are, are, I mean, are, are guys still going to be making visits over these next couple of weeks? What's kind of the, the coach's timeline for, between now and getting started in the back end of the summer and really getting into fall camp? The first couple of weeks of June, there's a handful of commitments. Kids that just go somewhere and they're blown away. Fair enough. But I, I went back and actually did an article on this. Like the in-state schools in Florida where I live, very few kids committed to them early on, and it's been that way this year. Florida, Florida State, Miami, and UCF, none of them got a commitment right after this past weekend. But I went back and looked somewhere around the 18th to the 20th all the way through about the 10th of July. Miami had a commitment like every other day. It was insane. Florida, Florida State, they all, they all got commitments then. It's because they want to take two or three visit weekends before they make a decision. It's actually logical. Now, fans don't want to hear that. They want them all to commit right away. Of course, you know, we hear about that too, but – once you get to the middle of July, then it kind of flips. Then you're pretty much the kids that haven't committed are going to wait longer, and then you kind of go into coach mode where they go to their little short vacations and come back and fall camp. So about July 15th, it'll cut off. I, I did want to ask you before we get out of here, your your thoughts on, on something that made some headlines this week. And, and we see, look, NIL is becoming more and more prominent, and uh, I actually think it's – Actually, you know, for, for the SEC, we're doing a pretty good job of managing it. It hasn't gotten completely out of hand like I think a lot of us thought it would. But uh, an SEC athletic director, Hunter Juracek over at Arkansas, he's part of the group in D.C. 
kind of addressing these things this week. We know Tommy Tuberville, the former Auburn coach, he, an Ole Miss coach, he's been part of, uh, hey, we need some kind of legislation here. But I, I couldn't believe the quote from Hunter Yurchak this week where he said, um, <clears throat> the problems with NIL, he called it an ongoing crisis of, uh, of star college players staying in college. He said, young men and women are making decisions not to go to MLB, the, the Major League Baseball, or WNBA or NBA because they can make more money in college does that make any sense that you can make more money by staying in college than you can by going and being a pro athlete? To me, Brian, why is that a problem that kids want to stay in college? To me, that's a good thing, and it speaks more to like, hey, this kid, rather than go be a 30th, 31st-round pick in Major League Baseball, could come back for a senior year and make a little money from some local companies. I just, It's mind-boggling because everybody seems to be all over the board with an opinion on NIL. That's an opinion that he didn't weigh out very well. That's probably a guy that roots for a team that doesn't use NIL the way one of the rivals do in football. Uh, and then he just dumps it all in there to make his argument stronger. Depending on the school you root for, NIL is important. Like Clemson doesn't use it. But their main rival, South Carolina, they got kids last year they flat wouldn't have gotten even on campus for a visit that they signed. So it's, it's a really touchy situation. I don't know what you can do, but I'm, I'm like you, especially like baseball kids. A lot of them aren't even on full scholarship. Right. Heck yeah, I would stay in college another year if I'm going to, let's say they make 75 grand. Or just, you know, something like that. Why wouldn't you? If you're going to go in the 20th round, you're not going to make it anyway. Take the money, enjoy the college life. The football thing is its own entity. Like, like I said, I would bet heavy money that it's a football-related question that he tried to steer it another, another way. If you're not going to go high in the draft in whatever sport you're in, though, stay in college. Yeah, right. that's, that's I don't see how you can really argue that. that that's Get what I agree. What a, what a concept. That's what I'm looking at, too, is like, let's say there's a junior who's draft eligible, but he's projected as a sixth or seventh rounder. And there's a local yeah, no local law firm wants to pay an NIL deal. Why would you not stay in school for another year? And and why is that a problem? Like, why well, don't understand, like, why this why he thinks this is an issue? Let them let them think that I, I don't agree. So uh, if they want to talk about the inducement part with NIL. That's a whole another animal. So, but the, the kids that are already there and they, they get a deal after they're at school, that's perfect. That's what it's for. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it, it, and that's that's where I think the focus should be. Look, a, a guy who goes and makes a name on campus for himself, like a Johnny Manziel or Tim Tebow, and he wants to sell T-shirts and do autograph signings, and and that's what name, image, and likeness is. But you're right. Buying the 17-year-old recruits who've never played it down at college football, maybe that's where the focus should be. How, what do we call that? Do we allow it? Like, that's where maybe the focus should be on not kids coming back. Brian, uh, we always appreciate the time, man. Of course, you can follow Brian Smith at FBS, uh, FB Scout underscore Florida. Let everybody know where they can get all your work. That That is the right answer, my friend, at FB Scout underscore Florida, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, uh, even a little bit uh, – on TikTok, but mostly YouTube and, and Twitter. Talk about football recruits all over the state of Florida and the South and really enjoy it. This is this is my time too, brother. Uh, June is the busiest month of the year for me, and it's a blast. He is Brian Smith. Again, give him a follow. Brian, always appreciate the time, man. We'll do it again in a couple weeks. All right, buddy. Take care. All right, that is Brian Smith. That has been Locked on SEC. Thank you guys for making us your first listen every day. Every dayers, continue to check us out every day. And we'll talk to you guys next week right here on Locked on SEC. Have a great weekend, everybody.